There are fast emerging areas of deep tech innovation in health that are already transforming lives. Think about the fusion of neuroscience, microelectronics, biomechanics, robotics, advances in imaging and artificial intelligence, digital twin technologies, tissue engineering and regenerative medicine, and how these emerging and innovative technologies will drive new generations of devices, treatments and implants. It's exciting, but it creates new issues and opportunities and partnerships to fast track discovery and commercialization in Australia. Well, with me today is Dr. Robin Stokes, and she's the inaugural CEO of Bionics Queensland. In this episode, we talk about what even is medical bionics, the innovations in this space that are changing lives right now, and what the future holds for this emerging area of medicine. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Well, let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or ten minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Hey Robin, how are you? Really well, Peter. It's lovely to be joining you today to talk about bionics and all things uh, wonderful in the bionics world. I can't wait. And uh, who better than you to explain that wonderful world with us? But firstly, give us some context. Tell us a bit about you and your background, please. Certainly. Uh, look, I came to Bionics Queensland as the CEO um, start of 2020. Actually, we only launched in 2019 uh, and we got underway with some gusto that first year with the Bionics Challenge was our big branded initiative to get the whole suite of activity going. Uh, But yes, I came to this out of an interest, I suppose, in growing an ecosystem. I came from a background of strategy and research and consulting work, but very interested in, I guess, leveraging opportunities at an industry level, um, particularly in health, where you can seriously make a difference with with this field I've I've embarked on. So, yes, I launched in and invented some initiatives and we're still rolling, Pete. Amazing. Look, talking my language in terms of building communities and ecosystems in healthcare, but medical bionics, you know, I know digital health, med tech, biotech, life sciences, pharma, Um, there's a lot of of bits. What, What are we talking about when we talk about medical bionics? Well, look, far from where it began, which is really just, um, let's face it, we were talking about almost robots, et cetera, enabling mobility. People looked at those very early years of almost the $6 million man and that whole vision of, of what bionics looked like and felt like. In fact, we really made a significant transition now from what was the start of really bionic mobility in those days where we've really gone from just almost the strap it on, put it on type of prosthesis 
all the way through to that nexus of bionics and regenerative medicine. We're really talking about interfaces with the human body, which are enabled now by obviously vastly different digital technologies, um, vastly different understandings of the human body and biology in terms of the skeletal system, musculoskeletal system. Very, very different now. So bionic mobility has certainly come a long way. So it's interfaces with the body, it's interventions in the form of treatments. I mean, we've got bioelectric medicine that falls into the bionics domain now, um, a really quite a range of treatments, functional electric stimulation, for example, for people with spinal cord injury and various other mobility problems. Um, and apart from um, interfaces and interventions, of course, implants, which brings us to a huge array, all the way from the cochlear implant, which was one of the first bionic devices that Australia led the way with, with that multi-channel cochlear mm. implant. But we're now, of course, looking at uh, massive uptake and excitement when it comes to brain-computer interfaces and related implants in that, in that domain. Mm. And the other one that I probably haven't mentioned, so we've got mobility, the senses, implants and organs, and also the area, as I said, of neurotech devices, neurobionics. Mm. Mm. Okay. And so it sounds like there's a consistent theme there. You mentioned like the, there's a physical thing, whether mm. it's mm. on the body or inside the body as an implant or kind of in, in between, but a, uh, you mentioned the mobility side. So there's a, um, there's a physical kind of device that's then assisting humans and, and that's typically going yes, to be... Yes, um, it goes a little further than that now because mm -hmm. we've got soft robotic actuators training things such as tissue-engineered vascular graphs in the laboratory. So we've got a lot of... Um, and this is where that interface of using, if you like, electronics, using, you know, whether it be electrical, mechanical, um, you know, nanotechnologies, all mm. sorts of things that actually interface together to give that if you like that you know, human machine interface but more than that it's it's not really just about interface with the human being because so much gets created behind the scenes using those technologies to bring those innovations to to the foreground mm. yeah is it similar to you know you hear of deep tech as well but deep tech can can cross a you know not just yes. across a number of industries not just healthcare. are we kind of in the right Ballpark. Yes, it's most definitely. In fact, our um, mentoring and acceleration program we have uh, for the winning teams in our challenge is called the Bionic Deep Tech Mentoring yeah. Program. So it's most definitely deep tech. I mean, we're seeing now because we can, software as a medical device, for example, is bionic. You know, we've got a bionic pan pancreas created, um, which is really bringing that fusion of artificial intelligence, mm. you know, health technology, data analytics together to create a pancreas, um, which is, is in, we've, we've actually awarded uh, dollars to um, an outstanding project, Bionic Pancreas Project here in Australia, uh, which is doing just that. It runs obviously on, runs on the edge. It's uh, got uh, obviously... You can go all the way through to a physical implant potentially in the end, but largely that functionality is um, a, a pancreas, if you like, that's delivered in with other digital modes. Mm. Mm. It's funny that you talk about, you know, bits of technology that that 
uh, you know, either get strapped onto or, or get absorbed into a human. I, I often joke about, you know, my, I have that, that missing limb kind of feeling when I haven't got my phone within a meter or oh, two of me, which is a, yeah. a, 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 it's just a separate health issue for me. But as this isn't about me, this is about bionics. So I can see then how having a physical thing and then bringing in all the interesting technology, the software, the artificial intelligence, the, the bits like that convergence is really interesting and no doubt would, um, be positioning the area of medical bionics in such an exciting uh, space right now. You've mentioned already quite a few of those really cool innovations that are um, coming through. T- tell me a bit more about some of those interesting innovations that are coming through medical bionics, whether it's here or abroad. Yes. Well, look, if we look through the eyes, I suppose, of the people we're trying to help change lives. I I think, you know, we can look at the mobility space and we see incredible progress, I think, with uh, work that's going on really using digital twin technology, for example, to Mm. have an entire um, running picture, if you like, of of a person with spinal cord injury and how they're responding to that use of, for example, functional electric stimulation alongside um, imagery, uh, using, for example, VRAR technologies in conjunction with eSTEM, in conjunction with that digital um, twin technology. Various things coming together now that really are seeing, I suppose, that first um, concept of sort of sensation that people might be starting to feel as a result of some of these techniques. The, bio, the BioSpine project on the Gold Coast is an absolute standout with Dinesh Palapana at the centre of that project. He uh, was um, certainly very um, well known now, Dinesh, being a doctor, a lawyer and all sorts of uh, other other talents yeah. alongside being part of that project. But then we look to, say, the brain-computer interface sphere, um, neurobionic implants, and you start to see the Stentrobe device. Now, that device um, invented by... Um, Tom Oxley and Nick Opie out of Melbourne, Mm. that device, which sits adjacent to the brain, you know, obviously sits, goes up through the um, jugular vein, sitting adjacent to the the brain, enabling brain signals to be read. So somebody with advanced motor neurone disease or indeed other neurodegenerative diseases can actually do their electronic banking without having any real ability to communicate like somebody that may not be in that condition. So being able to communicate with doctors, family, do your own banking, your life is really significantly different. Stentrode's in quite advanced stages of development now and um, obviously uh, raising significant funds right now, but, you know, it's sitting up alongside BlackRock and others mm-hmm. with just an incredible innovation. So I see those. I also see things such as, you know, treatments for tinnitus, um, a very simple thing the other day that we had, um, we awarded a student uh, who's just really in his undergraduate degree that's just invented a brain-computer interface that actually triggers the coughing mechanism for people that have got uh, quadriplegia and can't actually naturally cough in the middle of the night. They need constant care, significant funds spent on care, with this BCI device, ultimately that person won't need to have someone there 
all the time for that purpose. So many different things that we're seeing in what I'd call the bionic med tech arena, which is getting, Peter, it's getting bigger. That's the thing yeah. about this. People see it as narrow. It's actually very broad. Mm. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. You've just described a number of things that impact, have the potential to impact so many lives in such a, a meaningful and inspirational way. I could see mm. that how it would be a growing area and quite broad. I'm going to hazard a guess and suggest that with a growing area, um, it, it requires more people that that have specific qualifications or unique capabilities. And given the complexities of some of this, it's not your, you know, your weekend course in doing this that, that'll get you into bionics. But if there are, if I was to look at it either side, either from an industry point of view in terms of what what is needed and what companies are calling out for in terms of people, you know, to 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 help them scale. Or on the other side, you know, if I'm listening to some of what you're saying, saying, hey, I'm a really early stage, whether medical student or just general enthusiast wanting to get more in this, this bionics piece really speaks to me. What are some of those qualifications, skills? Where should people be focusing on to be able to get more involved in bionics? Okay. First of all, I'd say from the very grassroots of the community, there are people innovating every day. You know, we've got a guy, I met a guy on the beach at Magnetic Island in North Queensland dragging his boat up off out of the water and I thought, oh, gee, you know, better go down and just, you know, we'll check he's okay, help him drag the boat out. He had a running blade on, you know, obviously he'd, um, you know, been injured at some stage and had a bionic device. So, um, you know, I get to meet Mick. Well, Mick, as it turns out, has found the various things he wants to do. Some of these particular devices just aren't, they don't cut it in terms of the water exposure. He's a fisherman, he lives off boats. So he actually has done his own backyard innovation, some of which I'd like to see brought into a team setting where so he is the user, the end user and innovator can be part of a wider team. But look, honestly, we sat down with groups of people last year. We did an ecosystem mapping study of what is required, who's in the ecosystem, who are the people you'd really want on an innovation team for some of these projects. And look, it's really diverse. There's everybody from people in VR and AR. There's, um, you know, obviously biomedical engineers. There's, um, you know, people that uh, have significant data analytics capability, coding capability, um, 
AI, of course, becoming the kind of emerging area, robotics insights. When I start to look at jobs of the future, indeed, we are stimulated, as I have been, to get out and talk to schools and talk to people coming up into the university sector to just give them a feel for what is a really diverse set of jobs for the future. It's really quite amazing, actually, just how many different skill sets are needed. Even project management, just what might have been on the factory floor some years ago to sort of draw all the bits and pieces together. Sometimes that's one of the more critical roles is bring it all together. And then, of course, apart from that, who's analysing the market? Who's looking at forecasting and getting a sense of, well, okay, we know there's a need. How big is the market? Can I actually put together a team and take this thing through to prototype? Can I attract funding? And while I might know all of that as the innovator when I get started, mm. I need quite a team around me as I go forward, both employed as well as people that get on board, as we know, with startups, to just add, add in ideas, you know, and just be a part of the, the group that's helping. Um, yeah. So there's so much there to go to market and obviously clinical trials, animal testing, lots of things along the way. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned we a few times and you did touch on Bionics Queensland a little bit at the start mm. there. Wh who's this for and is it something that, that people can be part of? What's the role of Bionics Queensland or, or all of that? Tell me about it. Okay, yes, certainly. Well, look, we're a not-for-profit and we were set up by Dr. Dimity Dornan, who actually set up uh, one of the more unique allied health organisations to support a bionic device. She set up here in, say, 30 years ago to really offer to families, young children, and now adults, actually, um, that support and program, almost train the brain type of support to, to actually start to use and really, um, really, I guess, change the lives of those that um, have a cochlear implant. And, and there's been a lot done over those years, but Dimity decided that there's a much bigger uh, picture there of being able to assist people innovate and also assist people to understand um, how they can get the best out of devices. We actually, though, are focused on the innovator. Our, our mission is effectively to identify the key parties that might come to a project, um, support, um, and then accelerate effectively the um, projects to market. So we work pretty closely every year with a suite of um, teams that come to our Bionic Challenge. We've found since we've given away about 1.3 million in the last three years to innovators and we work, consistently work with them. We don't just, it's not like here's a prize and away you go. We're yeah. building a community around this and what I've seen is the translation readiness of those projects in just three years has, has really, really gone up. So I'm very, very pleased with that. They're getting closer to market. Startups as well as the university projects. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that, that's what is that kind of split too? You know, we, we everyone will, will mention Cochlear when we talk about, you know, big Australian successes and, mm. and what's happening on the big end of town. And you've touched on startups and, and university um, research programs as well throughout is it something that you know typically it's this is only reserved for for companies that s can raise a lot of capital and 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 start building things or are, is there a, like a good thriving ecosystem of startups in the space looking at doing some really innovative stuff 
Look, there's actually more than meets the eye when it comes to the startup arena. Um, we're seeing grassroots innovators in particular. I mean, we've got, for example, um, Cortex Brainwave Technologies here in Brisbane. Casey Pluger kicked that off, you know, as a guy that had lived much of his life with sort of ADHD. His own daughter had various issues and he decided that there was a need for a much better and well-conceived, not only brain-computer interface device, but a sensor mm. that would be um, much improved in terms of delivering results. So he has been working and indeed is close to doing late-stage prototype testing on a sensor, which was um, one that in fact doesn't have the problem of not being able to sort of hair becomes an issue and believe it or not, skin colour. There are sensors that are actually racist when it all yeah, boils right. down where there's real difficulty presented by skin colour. Mm. So uh, Casey's been working on a new sensor, near-infrared sensor. So that's been amazing. But he's just one of a number that we know. But it's an early-stage ecosystem. I mean, Australia-wide, this is a lot bigger than people think. We've now moved into hosting a national bionics innovation challenge as part of our challenge. We're based in Queensland, but looking out really nationally as we go forward to grow this ecosystem. You know, there's wonderful um, partners really around the country, Bionics Institute in Melbourne. We see the Tyree Institute in Sydney and certainly Sydney Bionics Centre. There's various um, parties within universities, as well as the community with um, different, I guess, health tech hubs that we see as all part of this really living lab community. Yeah, got it, got it. You've mentioned so many great examples of innovations and, and applications of medical bionics and the mm. way that it can impact people's lives. Is there a particular area that's, that's definitely one to watch or that gets Robin really excited about, about the future of? Uh, look, I think with all of them, I mean, the census has been interesting because it was our area where we kicked the big goals early on. You know, we played a big role in the early years of the cochlear implant. We've seen a lot of use of the cochlear implant technology transfer across to some of the bionic vision projects. Got three bionic vision projects in Australia, which is pretty amazing to, to think when you consider... Um, you know, when you consider the, the size of us in the in a world yeah. market, but we've got three fantastic projects still underway in Australia um, and making great progress. I think um, in the census, one that really struck me, it's not actually in Australia, but it's a, it's a system that looks very like the bionic vision system with the spectacles, obviously, with the implant processor, et cetera, mm. that's for a sense of smell. And uh, believe it or not, on those glasses that the guys have invented, it's, um, um, it's at a university in the States where they've invented these spectacles that are part of the system. There's an implant, obviously, to stimulate the, um, um, the, the sense of smell as well. But the glasses is what detects the different smells, which <laughs> is just amazing. Crazy. So, um, so cool. no, that one just I find quite inspiring. But other than that, I will say that this year I can see brain-computer interface technology really taking off. A lot of discussion around ethics with that and where have we really arrived at in terms of understanding the human factors side of these innovations. Um, and we're promoting that as well, you know, the discussion, the dialogue around these things. But for us, 
Just getting back to your question, we're certainly um, working with the innovation end of the community. We're very much focused, though, on relationships with charities where we actually bring end users in. So it's consumers at the heart of innovation is really what we believe in. Hmm. I, I agree with you on the um, the brain interface stuff. And it's funny how innovation and ethics seem to be on this spectrum. Like when you become, when it becomes really, really innovative, then that's when the, mm. the, the ethics, you know, you're onto something good when there's a, a, a um, an in-depth ethics conversation to be had. So it's a very exciting area to watch there for sure. Lastly, Robin, for those that, you know, wanted to learn more about medical bionics or the, the, uh, or bionics Queensland, or just generally learn more about this space, uh, where can they go and, and, and what advice would you give them? Okay. Well, look, this very week I'm launching two things, really. One is a Bionic Innovation Insights series, which will be a series of five reports off all of the research that we've done and conversations with communities, and that's state and national, by the way. We've talked and, you know, there's, there's obviously... Hmm a look at what is happening globally in bionics across the sensors, mobility, implants and organs and neurotech. We're actually launching that this Friday here in Brisbane and alongside that a membership strategy. So we're really looking at inviting people in to share in this knowledge. There's no point in having these amazing dialogues and roundtables and so forth if people can't see what's happening out the other end. More than that, what does this mean for my family or my particular mm. interest or need? So um, I'd encourage people to jump online to Bionics Queensland's website after the end of this week and have a look around because there's access there and it's not about paying big dollars as such, um, you know, and certainly for um, people that are in real need, you know, we obviously always the doors open to give some insights on what's happening. By the time this episode's released, that'll definitely be up and uh, running too. So we'll put the link for that in the show notes of this episode or the comments below on our website and people can check that out. But Robin, I mm. appreciate you making the time and can't wait to check in again at some point again in the future and see how things have grown with the community, with the membership and, and just generally in this exciting ecosystem. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Peter. I've enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks. And I'll even buy you a coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.